All right, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. Going to be reading a, uh, quite a bit of verses today. Um, just going to be in some different passages, not just in Genesis, but different passages. But we're going to begin in Genesis chapter 14. And we're talking about a person. It's an event. Uh, it's also a person and an event in the book of Genesis. It's when Abraham has gone and uh, Abraham heard that his son-in-law, his nephew, his brother, you know, it's, it's, they're not the same thing as the way God phrases it at times, but, but uh, his, basically uh, <clears throat> his wife's um, nephew. And, and so, uh, but anyway, a, uh, Lot has been captured. Sodom has been ransacked. Everything's been taken. And Abraham is going to go after him. He doesn't care about everything else, but he's going to go after Lot and his family. After he does that, after he captures them, he's, now we're coming to a, a point now at this point in the scripture. It says, verse 14, Genesis chapter 14, verse 14 says, When Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house. So Abraham's a pretty powerful guy because, you know, he's, he's about to go battle uh, a king and, and with his, just his servants that are born in his own house. It says, 318 pursued them unto Dan, and he divided himself against them, and he and his servants by night, and smote them, and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother Lot, and his goods, and the women also, and the people. And you look at verse 17, and the king of Sodom went out to meet him after uh, his return from the slaughter of Chedorlaomer, and of the kings that were with him, and the valley of Sheba, yeah, yeah, I got that turned on. Okay, and which is the king's dale and Melchizedek, and here's where we're gonna who we're talking about today, uh, Melchizedek, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God, and he blessed him and said, "Blessed be Abram." Of the, of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, blessed be, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand. And he gave him tithes of all. So Abraham gave tithes of everything that he had just captured, everything he had just gotten. Uh, he gave it all to Melchizedek. And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. Now this is a a whole issue we're not going to really spend time to talk about, but this is still the world's way. Um, you know, they really, they just, they want to capture the lives of the people. They want the people, and that's what he's saying there, you know, just give me the people. Uh, you know, because if I have the people, I can get more goods. If I have the people, I can control them, and I can direct them, and, and so it's the same thing that we deal with today. And Abram said unto the king of Sodom, I have lift up my hand, Unto the Lord, the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to the shoe latchet, that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abram rich. Save only that which the young men have eaten, and the portion of the men which went with me, uh, Aner, Eskel, and Mamre, let them take their portion. So, uh, 
that's the first 10 verses or so that we're going to read. Uh, we're going to read a lot more here in a moment. But the event we see today in, in Genesis and the Old Testament uh, is an Old Testament appearance of Christ. Uh, some will disagree with that. Uh, you know, a matter of fact, I, you know, I've got one um, Bible that, you know, it's got um, it, where they, you know, they, you know, just different people write in. It's not one person. It's not like Schofield Bible. You know, it's, it's got different people that will write their opinions about verse. Well, one guy writes that he believes this, this Melchizedek in Genesis is a priest, uh, just an earthly priest. And then when you get over into where we're going to go, then the, another guy writes completely different. And I thought that's kind of unique, you know, that they, you know, they got two uh, differing opinions even in the same Bible. But the event we see today in Genesis is an Old Testament, I believe, an Old Testament appearance of Christ. And I think there's no way to look at it any other way because of the scripture. So, uh, so what we're going to do, we're going to look at some foundational points of the story first. We're just going to look at this situation. Who is this Melchizedek? It's, notice before Abram returns, uh, returns all that he's captured, he ties of all to the Lord. Uh, now, the first thing we want to look at that this story or, or think about in this story that we're looking at here is, is that uh, we see that it's, it talks about in verse 17, that the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from slaughter of Kelonra and, and kings that were with him in the valley of Sheba, uh, which is the king's dale, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest. So Sodom is coming, the king of Sodom is coming out to meet with Abraham, but before they meet, before they discuss anything, uh, Melchizedek comes. And when he comes, Abraham ties of everything that he's taken to him. It's not like, okay, well, I can't give you this because this belongs to, you know, I'm going to give it back to Sodom. No, Abraham said, I wouldn't have anything, so I'm going to give you a tenth of everything. I'm going to tithe upon everything I have. And then when they come back, I'll give them what's left. But they wouldn't, you know, uh, the king of Sodom wouldn't have anything if Abraham got, hadn't gotten it for him. Abraham wouldn't have got, had anything if God hadn't gotten it for him. And so uh, he goes ahead and he makes this, this tithe or this, um, you know, this tithe to him. He gives it to him uh, before they ever uh, meets up with Sodom. So this tithe is given to Melchizedek, king of Salem, and it says in verse 16, he brought back all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. Verse 17, the king of Sodom went out to meet him. And we just read that and we'll, we find that he went to meet him. He's captured it all. He went to meet him, but before he arrives there, that's when Melchizedek uh, meets with Abraham. And uh, so... Now, who is this Melchizedek again? Well, in Genesis, we just simply see uh, what it says in verse 18. Verse 18, all it says about him is that Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. That's all it says. Now, what we want to do, though, is if you want to look at Psalm 110. Psalm 110, we'll find Melchizedek is mentioned again. Psalm 110, verse 1, says, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power uh, in the beauties of, of holiness. 
from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. So God, he's just praising God. And then he says in verse 4, the Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, this is a, a prophetic passage. This is talking about Christ. This is talking about the coming of Christ. Uh, now, next we see a detailed description of Melchizedek. Now you go to Hebrews chapter 6. This is where we're going to read a lot of verses. Hebrews chapter 6 and 7 is where you're going to see a really detailed description of who this is. And that's why it's so vital that we, we compare Scripture with Scripture when you, you let the Bible define itself because you see this one little verse, verse 18, in chapter 14 back in Genesis, and you think, okay, well, this is some priest that shows up. Well, when you, when you think about it, the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, comes through Abraham. Where's this priest come from? This is a priest coming to Abraham. But the Levitical priesthood came through Abraham. And so... Uh, then we see, but we see this detailed description. So if you look at chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, he says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. Now that has nothing to do with our story, but that's a really good statement. It's impossible for God to lie. Uh, that's why, you know, so when God makes you a promise, uh, I got to witness when a, a young girl to Christ yesterday, she's from California, but she was out visiting here, and, uh, and, and, you know, just another one of those situations where can you know, can you really know 100% sure you're going to heaven, can you, well, when God can't lie, whatever he promised to do, he's got to do, right, amen somebody, you know, you got, he's got to do what he promised to do, so he promised to, to save you and give you eternal life if you call upon him, well, if you call upon him, and he promised to do it, and he can't lie. He's got to do it. It's just, it's just reason. And so it says, in God who cannot lie, well, this is in which it is impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both secure and steadfast, which entereth into that which within the veil, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made, look at this, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation. Now, this is where it's going to tell us who he really is. He says, first being by interpretation, king of righteousness. Boy, who does that sound like? Melchizedek, by interpretation, his name, you know, he's king of righteousness. And after that, king of Salem, which is king of peace. So he's king of righteousness. He's king of peace. But wait a minute, we're gonna, I'm getting ahead of myself, but he's also a priest. He's, the scripture's saying he is king and he is priest. And so... Uh, without and then, and then, of course, this part, this verse, and it's. And I really wonder how people even deal with this and, that believe that he's just an earthly priest. It says, "For without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, 
abideth a priest continually. Boy, that seems pretty clear to me. But now consider how great this man was unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. And verily they that are of the sons of Levi who receive the office of priesthood have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham. Notice that the, the priests that received tithes by the law came out of the loins of Abraham. That means they were birthed, they, were, they, were, they came through Abraham. Abraham was their father, so to speak. But he says, but now he's, he received tithes of Abraham. This priest received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. Without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. Again, God's making a statement there. And he, here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them of whom it is witness that he, re, he liveth. And as I may say so, Levi also who receiveth tithes paid tithes in Abraham. For he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not being after the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, there is made a necessity, a change also of the law. For he of whom thing, these things are spoken pertaineth to, to another tribe of which no man gave a, attendance at the altar. Now I'm almost done, but... It's just, I didn't know any other way to do this but to go through all these verses. But it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For he testified, thou art a priest, forever after the order of Melchizedek. For there is, is, uh, there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitable thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. And inasmuch as not without an oath, he made priests. For those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made the surety of a better testament. I, you know what, it just, and again, I apologize, but, but it's just, there's no way, truthfully, we could continue to read on here and go on uh, this whole entire passage going all the way down to uh, verse 28. But the whole thing is, is that uh, this point, the Levitical priesthood was grounded in the order of Aaron. Aaron came through Abraham. And so you, uh, Abraham, uh, the, the priesthood of Jesus Christ was grounded in the order of Melchizedek. So we've got two different priesthood lineages here that the Bible's talking about. One is an earthly lineage. One is a holy, godly lineage. Uh, 
Melchizedek appears in Genesis as we have already read. Then he's mentioned again in the Masonic, uh, Masonic, boy, Masonic great. Messianic promise of Psalm 110, which we read. Then in Hebrews 7 shows us he's the king of righteousness and the king of peace. So all this information comes down to uh, verse 2 when it says, chapter 7, verse 2, to whom also Abraham gave the tenth part of all, first being the interpretation king of righteousness, and after that king of Salem, which is king of peace. That's only Jesus. Only Jesus is without father and mother. Only Jesus is the king of righteousness. Only Jesus is the king of peace. Only Jesus is without descent and it has neither beginning nor days. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. So he has no beginning of days. And so that, I believe, all that information just brings us to the point that he has to be, Melchizedek was an Old Testament, what they call a Christophany. He's an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ, where Jesus came and appeared in the Old Testament, and he came and appeared as the high priest. That's who he is. He is the, the, the high priest. And he came and appeared there, and then, of course, in Hebrews, he's going to talk about it more, but, but uh, an angel, if it had been an angel, which I've heard some say, uh, an angel is without father and mother, but the angel would not, have, would not be without a beginning of days. Uh, the Scripture says he abideth a priest continually. Christ is our high priest, and the scripture says he ever liveth to make intercession for us. So he's a priest continually. He ever liveth to make intercessions for us. So that leads us to verse 5. And verily, they that are of the sons of Levi who receive the office of the priesthood have a commandment to take the tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham, Blessed and blessed him that he that had the promises, and without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. The distinction and superiority of the priesthood of Melchizedek is, is mentioned here. What he's saying, the, the, the less is blessed of the better. Uh, Abraham is going to be the father of all the, the earthly priesthood, but Melchizedek comes and blesses Abraham. He comes in and puts a blessing upon Abraham, and he blesses God at the same time. But uh, priesthood of Melchizedek is stressed, for it is made clear that the earthly priesthood came through Abraham, but Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek before any, before any of the early, earthly priesthood was born. And so finally, you're going to look at verse 7, and hopefully we're, I'm sorry I don't have a story or some humor I can interject here, but it's just a whole lot of information to me. Uh, in some sense, it's real important that we understand who Melchizedek is, but, I, but at the same time, uh, you sometimes sort of search to, to find out what that importance is, but, but I think it's, it's clear since God wanted to make it real clear who he was because of Hebrews chapter 6 and 7. Uh, the Lord doesn't leave it in doubt at all. Of course, uh, Psalm 110 really makes it pretty clear also, but Finally, verse 7, God teaches us that the lesser, the earthly priesthood, is blessed by the better, the eternal priesthood. Now, all of that said, I think that's pretty good proof of who he is. What's the lesson that we can learn, you know, just the, the direct lesson that we can? And it's something I preached here recently uh, on a 
Sunday night. But bottom line, this whole thing deals a whole lot with this thing called the tithe. But here's the question that I have. How did Abraham know to tithe? There's no command yet. There's no priesthood to give the tithe to. How did, if he shows up, Melchizedek, a Christophany, Jesus Christ shows up to Abraham, the priest of the Most High God, he's eternal, he has no father, he has no mother, he's eternal. How does Abraham know to tithe? Thank you. I think it, my point here, and what I'm going to try to explain here is, there was no command in place, but anyone who truly understands how and why and by whom they are blessed, I believe would have a desire to give back. When you really realize that you would have nothing, Abraham fully understood that that, that victory that was performed he could have just as easily been defeated. He could have just as easily been killed. All of his servants could have been destroyed. Everything that he possessed could have been lost. He knows that. It doesn't say how big the army was that he went after, but he went after them with 300. And I would think if you're going to go conquering some cities, the army that's going into conquering some cities and slaughter everybody there and win all these victories probably had a pretty substantial army. But he goes after them. And who are they? They're servants. They're shepherds. They're workers born in Abraham's house. Yeah, I'm sure Abraham trained them to fight, but they're not trained military. What incredible. Abraham knew, uh, as we say, who buttered his bread. Abraham knew where the victory came. So when you have now this, the priesthood after the order of Melchizedek, he comes to Abraham. To me, that's a natural impulse that you would just say, please let me do something for you for all you've done for me. Please let me say I love you back. Please let me say I appreciate you back. Please let me respond back to you. Just what Brother Carl said, you, you, man, I mean, my goodness, what you did for me, you know, I, uh, I don't do it enough, and, and uh, last night at the meeting, my wife actually praised me, <laughs> but you know, the, the truth is we try to teach so much in, in all that we do. Uh, in our marriage conference things is, is that if you want them to do for you in order before you do for them, that's a bad situation. But if you do for them, what it begins a cycle. The normal person who has been treated good says, man, I want to do good in return. That's the way the cycle is supposed to be. Let me do for you. And, and you know, Joe Beth does so much. I, I love, I, I did something the other day. 
that she didn't know about. And, you know, I just, she's got a little checking account, and I had some extras come in, and so I just started dumping it in her account. You know, and I, I really wanted to wait, but I couldn't. I never can. I wanted to wait till she finally went and checked it, you know, and, and went, where'd this come from? And come to me and go, where'd this come from? And go, ah, you know. You know? <laughs> so, am I messing you up here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jay's, up here, Jay's up here going, what you doing, man? Shut up. <laughs> Yeah, see, you catch hold of her. I put money in her account secretly. Yeah, it's not, it's not sinking in, is it? Yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know, it's, yeah, why did I do that? Because she does so much. Because she does so much for me. She does so much for everybody else. She, she gives so much. I just, I wanted her to have. I wanted her to have that. I didn't want her to have to worry about all of her nine million Christmas gifts she's got to buy. I didn't want her to worry another moment about, you know, where is it going to come from? Okay, here it is. I gave you $15. You can make it happen. All right. No. But I just believe that anyone who truly understands how much they've been blessed and by whom they've been blessed. They're going to want to return. I once had a, I had a fellow that I worked with. He came to me, and I don't know why he picked me out, but he came to me, and he said, he said, Brother Hooker, he said, man, he said, I need you to pray. And I said, about what? He said, I was working on a job, and I was, he said, I went to a half dozen houses yesterday, and he said, somewhere I lost my wallet. And I said, man, that's, that's bad. You know, you got your driver's license. He said, man, I got $3,000 cash in that wallet. And I said, we better pray, brother. <laughs> uh, $3,000. I mean, because I'm thinking my wallet, <laughs> you know. The uh, best I have in mind is a nest egg, you know, so a couple of dollars that might find each other and maybe produce. And so, uh, but, I, you know, I... I I looked at him and I said, well, look, I'll pray with you about it. He said, would you go with me and, you know, to a couple of houses look around? And I said, yeah, I'll go with you. We'll go there. We'll pray about it and uh, see what God does. So we, I went with him and, and we actually, we went to a couple of houses and we walked all around and went everywhere, everywhere he said he was. And I, and I said, well, man, let's just, let's just kneel down here. Let's pray that God would help you find this wallet because I know, you know, that's a lot of money and nobody needs to lose that kind of money. And so um, uh, next day, he comes walking up to me, has a big old wallet in his hand, and he walks up and he said, he said, you know, you left and after he prayed, he said, I got to thinking, I went up on that roof. And he said, I got up on the roof and my wallet was up on the roof of that house. You know, but watch this. He didn't give me a dime. Hold on now. You said, no, that don't help your story, does it? No, it does. I believe, personally, he really did not believe he found it because of the prayers. Yeah. You see, I think he just... 
he didn't. He wanted me. He wanted, he wanted to rub the rabbit's foot just in case that might help too. But really when it came down to it, he just remembered. And he just found it. Now, he's not a bad guy at all, great guy. But the fact is, is that I, I, I sincerely believe if he truly felt like God allowed him to find it because of our prayers, he would have come to me, and I wouldn't have taken it, maybe. I would, he would have come to me and, look, hey, man, let me give you 100 bucks. Let me give you 50 bucks. Let me you know, take you out to eat. Let me do something. He, he would have said, because, man, if we hadn't prayed, if you hadn't done that, we wouldn't have found it. Because that's the natural tendency in the heart of man. You, what you've done for me, please let me do something in return. That should be the heart of man. And I believe that's the reason Abraham, he didn't have to be commanded. There was no command in place that you got to give a tenth. He didn't figure it out and say, man, I wonder, you know, how much can I get by? Or, hey, man, let me, let me uh, uh, hey, Melchizedek, thanks for blessing me. Uh, tell God thanks. Uh, here's a hamburger. Now, he gave him a tenth of everything. See, I believe that tithing is an expression of appreciation and understanding that you would have nothing without God's blessing. And it should be a normal result of that true appreciation. And people say today, and you know, and I, I dealt with this on a Sunday night, but people say, well, you know, that's an Old Testament command. It, it is. It is. Uh, it's an Old Testament command, just like thou shalt not commit adultery. You know what Jesus did? He said, you know what? In the New Testament, just to think about it is wrong. So he didn't lessen the law, he increased the law. And that's why I taught the other, other night. The, I believe found a, the tithing that's set up here, the tithing that's represented here, is where that's the bottom line of your heart saying, I want to, I want to do something in return. I want to give back. That's the baseline. New Testament, God says, oh yeah, the law said that, but... We're not even talking there. You wouldn't believe how I've blessed you and how I've been good to you. What in your heart will you give back? And so it's, it's not for the churches. I tell people all the time, God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need our things. God doesn't need anything. God, the, the, truthfully, the church doesn't need it because the church is God's. So if God doesn't need it, what's the church need it for? You say, well, okay, then we'll quit. <laughs> Let me help you. You need it. I need it. Because it's an expression of appreciation. It's an expression of love. It's an expression of gratitude. And when it's not there, it's a huge step toward ungratefulness. That makes sense to everybody? Yeah. We okay? Now, you say, why are you hitting tithing again? I'm really not. It's just an event in this Genesis that we've, that we've come to, an event 
slash person that we came to. And in this event, this is the major lesson in this event. The two great lessons is that this is an, a Christophany. This is Jesus Christ making an appearance in the Old Testament. And Abraham gave a tithe of all. Not a tithe after he made a deal with, not a tithe after what do I have left over. No, Abraham said, no, before you even get here, king of Sodom, this is going because we would have nothing if God hadn't done it. And that, again, what that pictures is, and I got one minute, what that pictures is this. You remember when I taught Sunday night, if you were here, I taught about the tithe of all your increase, not your income. See, this was a tithe of all his increase. His income was what he ended up leaving with a little bit of food, a little bit for the people, a little bit. His increase was everything. All right. I'm not sure how much that meant to you, but God bless you. It's another incident in the book of Genesis. And thank you all that came. Brother Bob, uh, hopefully, is, Brother Bob Allen is hopefully going to be uh, getting a clean bill of health. He goes Tuesday. He's really been very sick, but he's, uh, he's getting better, getting a little bit stronger, and he's hoping to get a clean bill of health on Tuesday when he goes. At least he's very confident that he will. So 